It's Monday night, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Loud Pedal. I'm your host, Michael Clark Griswold, with my trusty co-host, The Mouth, Brian Hustlinger. Hello. Tonight, we have a PA Posse legend, Van May. Welcome to the show, Van. Thank you. Absolutely. So, my first question is, how did you end up in Pennsylvania from Texas? Mm, I came here because of the money and how good the race it was, and this was the place to be. My brother came earlier, and uh, I just followed him up here. Pennsylvania used to be the very ultimate in fast race cars. Now it's kind of kind of evened out with the rest of the country, with the outlaws running everywhere. They're obviously to be contended with on any given occasion, but at one time... Pennsylvania was the uh, best in the world, and that's why everybody came here. Like Kenny Wells, Stevie, and Bobby, everybody migrated here from whatever part of the country they ran, and that was the same reason I came. So did you do any uh, racing in Texas before you came up? Yes, I raced uh, for about a year and a half in Texas at our local speedway, and I wasn't really equipped to come to Pennsylvania, and my brother did, but I stayed home. But the track that I ran, my local track, closed up a little bit into the season, and so my logical choice was just to come up here where everything was at. Was there any uh, difference in racing styles between the Texas guys and the PA guys? Well, in Texas, it was kind of like a hobby. They ran one night a week, and if you had to, if you wanted to run more than one night, you had to go 280 miles one direction, or 400 miles, or 600 miles. So it wasn't local like wow. around here. You could live in one location and run at least three times a week for considerably more money. It was it was more like a a hobby in Texas. Nobody did it for a living, and yet in Pennsylvania, it was a living. Yeah, true. I got yeah, that's true. Pretty, pretty sure guys are still doing it for a living in Pennsylvania, if I'm not mistaken. Well, they, they do. It's it's a lot different than it used to be because, first off, it's so expensive to do it. It's, it's, it's almost hard to imagine how that a person can actually make money with a race car. Uh, the people that are doing it successfully have somebody behind them spending the money, but it's very, very seldom, even on today's scale, that anybody's racing program actually nets money. I mean, I I would find it hard to believe that there's not as much money spent as made, especially with today's prices for traveling and uh, yeah. tires and motors. It's It's really kind of out of hand, just as everything else is. Yep. <clears throat> so how much did your first race car cost? Mm, it's hard to say exactly how much it cost because the very first race car I ran, I kind of inherited from my brother, and he had bought a used car and then refurbished it and changed some of the suspension on it and everything. So it's kind of hard to put a... A number on what it was worth when we when we started racing it was common to get uh high performance corvette motor 
from the Chevrolet dealership, just uh, like a Corvette motor, a 360 horse, 350 horse, and uh, put fuel injection on it and a magneto, and that was the power plant. So uh, motors weren't even, they weren't anywhere near relative to the cost of what things are nowadays. Everything was totally, totally different. It was a, a different world. You could imagine making money and actually making a living doing it from a racer standpoint. But uh, in today's today's world, it's so different that it's it's hard to comprehend. Yeah. So uh, your first race that you ever won, what was the payout on that? Hmm. I think it probably paid a hundred dollars to win the whole thing. <laughs> I had a, before I left, before I left, bear in mind, this was back during 36 cent gas. Oh yeah, true. But still, but still, when it paid a hundred dollars in Texas, it was already paying as much as 700 bucks in Pennsylvania. So the pay scale was way different. I mean, there was absolutely no reason. I mean, there was no reason to, to think that the cars would be the same effective speed because they they made money doing it and they spent money doing it the cars from around here were uh it's like if you played pool seven nights a week you'd get good at it and in pennsylvania yeah the cars yeah. ran at least three nights a week sometimes four for as much as four or five times more money than they did where i came from so it developed it, it developed the speed just because of that's the way people made money. That's the way they made a living. I mean, uh, over the years, I can't even begin to think who all, but for sure, Stevie Smith and Bobby and Kenny Weldon, all those guys, they came from different parts of the country because this was the premier place to do it. Uh, at one time, when uh, people came in from out of town to race against Pennsylvania, they did not really fare too well. The Pennsylvania cars were were reasonably fast compared to everybody in the world, really. I remember one time when, I don't remember, probably in the early 70s, when the Knoxville Nationals was Kenny Weld and Opperman and Bobby Allen were one, two, three. I don't remember what order, but that could have been a normal Saturday night Lincoln race. And yet that was at the Knoxville oh. Nationals. So, so the Pennsylvania cars had a reason for being so fast. Now, even in today's sprint car racing, would you say that uh, Pennsylvania drivers still give the outlaws the most trouble compared to any other drivers throughout the country when, they, when they're traveling? I would say it's pretty well evened out. I would say that if, a, if, if the outlaws go to California, they're liable to find fast California guys that are tough to beat. Uh, uh-huh. Pretty consistently, Pennsylvania guys do give the outlaws as much competition as they get, but that's all. If you look at the records and you look at how the races come out in California or Texas or whatever, the the cars that are fast in their in their position are relatively fast to the outlaws. There's no question that the outlaws are the best in the business, but. Uh, I think it's evened out more. I, at one time, when they came into Pennsylvania, they got their ass kicked, but that's okay. a different deal. I mean, that, that that was one of the reasons that 
big blocks got outlawed was because when they came in here and they had to run against big blocks, they couldn't dominate. They but uh, when they outlawed the big blocks around here, it kind of neutered the uh, Pennsylvania cars that had an edge. I didn't even know they ran big blocks and sprint cars. I had no idea. You are just a kid. I, I am. You actually, you retired from racing the year I was born, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't help it that I've been around so long, but that is true. <laughs> uh, there, you know, that's one of the things I can't change. But uh, def- definitely the times are different, and uh, and at one time, big blocks around here were actually pretty dominant. They were big, cheap horsepower, and uh, but things have evolved. The, mm-hmm. I had a, a 500 cubic inch big block back in the 80s that I had the track record with, and the track record at that time was 19.70, and right now it's 16.1. So they've taken Woo. small blocks, and, and they put out more horsepower, and they're considerably lighter, but it, the times are just changing. I mean, at that time, that was the track record, so I was the, the fastest car ever at Williams Grove, but that was so long ago. Man, what is your most memorable win? Mm, probably the Williams Grove Nationals uh, was more memorable because it was considered a national event, and people like... Gordon John Cock and A.J. Foyt and various people came in here and raced Williams Grove. Uh, the most money I ever won was a $10,000 race. That was a finale back in the mid-'80s. I, I won uh, the last race in Ohio Speed Week. And uh, it, even though it paid more money, it was just out in the middle of nowhere and nobody really knew it. Uh, actually, Jeff Gordon was in that race. Uh, but that was a different time. He was just—he was just uh, a kid. So you've raced against Jordan, Gordon, John Cock, AJ Foyt, and Jeff Gordon. No, that's not what I said. I'm oh, saying so that I apologize. Gordon, Gordon—I—I—I I, I, I have raced against Jeff Gordon, and that particular night, I got paid ten thousand, okay. and he was just a participant. But as far as Gordon, John Cock, and A.J. Foyt, those were guys that used to come to Williams Grove okay. well, and race. Okay, well, that, that's all right. I mean, I uh, I am completely aware of those people, but uh, they they were racing the type cars that I raced, but at an earlier time even than what I did it. So let's... Uh... You had your accident in, uh, at Sealands Grove, I do believe, in 1987. Once once uh, you had to retire from racing, how hard was it to adjust, you know, not getting in the car every week and racing and, and kind of being on the sidelines, so to speak? Well, it, it was not really that difficult to accept the fact that I wasn't going to race. I got my eye put out, and it would uh-huh. be kind of like if you were a high hurdler and you got your foot cut off, you'd, you'd give up that that was the end of your game. Right. And uh, I still was, I was lucky enough that I had a sponsor, uh, Weldon Sterner at that time, that allowed me to keep running the operation. And even though I wasn't the driver, I was still in charge of making things uh, 
work. I mean, we kept the car at my shop, and uh, as time went on, I dropped out of it more and more. I still go to the races as a spectator all the time, so I never really have dropped out of keeping up with the races, but it was a cut-and-dry deal. When I got my eye put out, I knew that it was over. So who who'd you put in the car after after your accident? The first guy that got in the car after me was Chuck Reiner. He was a good he was a good friend of mine, and his his wife and my wife were good friends, and uh, and uh, he ran my car first. A couple of different people ran it after that, but Chuck Reiner was the first guy. And then I do believe you. Uh, dabbled in car ownership there for a little while afterwards too well the, the the car ownership that they talk about was basically me still having control of the welding okay. sterner operation i never actually bought a car per se but i still had control of the of the operation but so gotcha. to say i was a car owner was kind of a misrepresentation but it was something that went on down and i, I just let it go yeah yeah i hear you um, and you also had another pretty scary incident at Port Royal, correct? Port Royal. <clears throat> that is true. Uh, uh, it was a restart of the Tuscarora 50, and everybody was lined up and full of fuel, and real early in it, uh, somebody, I, I'm trying to think of his name, he broke, uh, he broke something on the front straightaway and, and came to a stop while we were all bunched up and there was no way to avoid it. So I was just, uh, I was just so long for the ride, but yes, that, that could have been a real bad accident. Uh, it looked real bad and I, and I, they hauled me off in a helicopter and, uh, so it could have been worse, but it was, what was bad about it was that it was in front of so many people and they, they repeated it and repeated it and repeated it. And, uh, anyhow, but yes, that is true. I did have a crash at Port Royal that could have been bad. Have you raced any other classes of cars when you moved up to Pennsylvania? Mm, I, I used to run go-karts when I was, uh, uh, a kid. That was, it was, my step was immediately from go-karts to, they call them super modified, but they were like what around here were what they call bugs. I mean, if you were just born in 87, you probably wouldn't have even seen Bobby Abel run at all. So that, so oh, basically the cars, the car, the cars that I ran were open wheel fuel injected Chevrolets that okay. raced against sprint cars. That was the, I mean, I, I like I said, I ran go-karts, Pretty mm -hmm. competitively, and go karts are really a good start of uh, of racing because they give you a a feel of bumping wheels together and the sensation of speed. So I think go karts is a real good grounds to start out on. But I went directly from go karts to sprint cars, effectively. Now, what what age would you say is a good age to start racing go karts? Mm, I don't know. I was about eight, but uh, I think kids run earlier than that now if they've got a oh yeah if they've got a dad if they've got a dad or somebody that will put them in a, a go-kart or, or whatever i don't think six is an uncommon age 
I mean, I, 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 it's not for me to say what's too early or too late. I think I've seen uh, 12-year-old kids running sprint cars. So it's oh, just yeah. a matter of what you're yep. – it's a matter of what you're given. I mean, uh, I can't deny that some 12-year-old kids can sit in a race car and probably go pretty fast if they've got the right opportunity. Yeah, I think I just saw an article where out west, uh, I forget, maybe California somewhere, they're putting age restrictions on uh, sprint car racing. Like, uh, I think you have to be 16 before you can even climb into a 360. Well, it probably, in California, it probably got uh, exaggerated how young kids could race. And, uh, like I say, I'm positive I saw a picture of a, 12-year-old kid standing beside a sprint car, and uh, it's not for me to tell them who can and who can't. That seems pretty young, but uh, it's not really for me to say. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, in the modifieds and stuff around here, you know, their kids are getting there. I mean, we got 12-year-olds running big block modifieds, so, I mean, uh, I think it's just the era of racing that we're in that it's going to happen. Well, yeah, you can't change it. I mean, mean, uh, today's race car... With today's race car, with power steering and good brakes, uh, they're not—they're not like they used to be. That you had to manhandle them. I'm not saying anything was that difficult, but used to back in the 50s and 60s, when a guy would win a sprint car race, he generally had to be pretty stout, uh, upper body strength and everything, just to not be wore out by the end of the race. And yet, right now, a, a physically fit 12-year-old could certainly be capable of winning a race. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at, like, like, like Buddy Kofoid, he doesn't look like he would, he would be, it looks to me like he's not winning races because of his physical capacity. Yeah, he's, a, he's, he's a little guy. He's obviously, yeah. he's obviously, he's obviously good. I mean, I've seen him go, I've seen him go fast in quite a few different cars, and so he's obviously very well adapted but he he has probably been racing sprint cars ever since he's a little kid yeah. so it's, it's just a, it's a different era now uh when it comes to spectating for you do you prefer wing sprints or wingless sprints hmm. i it's two different things i mean wingless wingless sprints are slower obviously right. and uh they're a little more sideways. Uh, it's it's kind of two different two different deals. Uh, I don't I don't have any total preference. I always go to the USAC races when they're here, when they run wingless. Yep. But that's kind of a the the fact that they're not here very long. In other words, maybe ten when USAC comes in here, maybe you see ten races, and and I go to sprint car races generally once or twice a week. So as a spectator, I have seen more, more races than you can even count. I mean, I've been a spectator for sure since 87. And so if you think about how many races I've probably watched, I really, I could watch a sprint car race, but if I missed one, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dwell on it. But I, I do like watching wingless racing. I do like watching wingless racing when they come. They are different. It's a different. Uh, it's it's a it, it's different, but 
they don't pay as much money. So obviously no, the, no. the, the best guys are going to go where they can make a living doing it. I mean, I think even at this point in time, I think there's a lot of the USAC guys, even the most recent ones that have come in here, like Chris Windham and Courtney and yep. all those guys that were fast without a wing, they've changed to running with a wing because there's more money. And act, in, in reality, it's made the USAC field a little weaker. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, not, I'm not. I mean, when they when they when they when they come, I'm sure I will go. And 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 the fastest guy on any given night is going to win the race. But it's it, the field has definitely been weakened by a lot of the good mm-hmm. good wingless guys going to race with wings for more money. Yeah, uh, Tanner Thorson's another one. Tanner Thorson's uh, running a lot of World Outlaw races this year. So yeah, Tanner Thomas. Yeah, Jr., yeah. He put a Thorson on and <clears throat> and. Thorson and Courtney and uh, I think Chris Windham here just recently. Yeah, I mean, he yes. was one of the USAC. He was one of the USAC guys, many many time winners, and and uh, he has gone to running uh, to running. Yeah, with the all with a wing. Uh, yeah, you're, you know, I it, it's it would be tough to it would be tough to try to go make a living running a wingless brick car, but. Uh, it would be tough to do it with a wing also. It's just a matter of how much money you got. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Do, you, do, you, do you have a favorite USAC guy? Mm, I, I can't really say. I, I, I'm trying to decide. Uh, I I used to, and I still like watching Robert Ballou. Uh, yeah. he, I've seen him run really hard. And uh, there was a guy... Uh, I'm trying to think of his name that came through here that was that ran really hard. Uh, I like watching a good race where somebody is giving it 100. percent But I don't. I don't actually have a, t- a total favorite. Okay. Do you have a favorite track? Hmm. I. You know. I. I can't narrow it down as far as what I. I. I used to enjoy racing. At Susquehanna, which is BAPS, yep. mm-hmm. and I and I, I enjoy watching races there. Uh, Port Royal has has changed a lot since when I ran. They they've improved it a, a ton. Used to Port Royal was the darkest track that you ever ran at, and now it's the lightest track. <laughs> and uh, and so I, I like and I like uh, I like Lincoln because it's five minutes from here. But, uh, that works. What's that? I said that makes that it nice. Yeah, well, that's one of the advantages. I, when I moved here 40 years ago, I wound up living around Hanover and Lincoln mm-hmm. Speedway's five minutes and Susquehanna's 30 minutes and Waves Grove's 30 minutes. And, and so that's the reason I came from Texas is because you can be central to many, many racetracks, uh, either to be a spectator or to race for sure. That's why Pennsylvania developed so good was because of the, the the geography of it. I mean, literally in Texas, if we lived in El Paso, the only, if you got rained out or something, the only other place, if you wanted to go run somewhere else, it was 280 miles to Albuquerque. Wow. Or it was four, it was 400 miles to Phoenix or 600 miles to Dallas. 
And so the logistics of getting, I can't even imagine what that would be like in today's world of diesel prices. Oh, but, uh, yeah, forget about but it. For sure, but for sure, Pennsylvania was the best because it had centralized and it paid more money. And so money just bred. I mean, that, that's, that's why Kenny Well came and that's why Bobby came mm-hmm. and I came. I mean, I mean, the money was better in Pennsylvania than anywhere. And then when the outlaws came to be, like I say, they kind of made it to where you needed to be willing to go with them to make the best mm-hmm. races. I mean, Bobby Allen, uh, Bobby Allen left Pennsylvania pretty early. I mean, I not not dead early. He was here before I was, but he went out on the road and ran outlaw races more than around here. I, I mean, I guarantee us if Bobby would have stayed around here. Uh, Stevie Smith wouldn't have won 150 features. I mean, if if, if Bobby would have been here, and until this day, Bobby's still just, traveling with him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Bobby's got it pretty good right now. He's he has made enough friends and impressed enough people over the yeah. time <clears throat> that he has people helping spend money to do what he's doing. And it's worked out really good for Logan and Jacob. Yeah, but, uh, that, that is a that is a that is a challenge. I mean, if you have any idea how hard it is to run the outlaws day in and day out, it, it's a job. It, it's not easy. Yeah, we uh, we talked to Logan a couple of weeks ago, and he was he was telling us just how how grueling of a schedule it is. You know, they run ninety races a year, and they're just constantly on the road. So yeah, yeah it is. But but like I say, things times are different. I mean, they're they're yeah. Logan and Jacob both are pulling down the road with a with a trailer with enough spares and enough stuff to completely build three or four cars right there at their disposal. Right. I mean, I mean, when when we used to break something, we used to go back to the shop and try to rebuild it or try to make another one. And right now, they go to the wall and they pull it off the wall and they reinsert it. Right. That's not taking anything away from the day's world. It's just that they basically, they basically assemble cars. They don't build cars. They assemble them. Right. He's right. He is a hundred percent right. I mean, I'm not saying it's not, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not work, but, but basically, uh, an outlaw could, take uh the stuff hanging on their walls in their trailer and completely put together a car in i would say hours oh i'm sure mm-hmm. i mean i mean overnight for sure and sometimes it's amazing to me how quick they can get back out sometimes you can see them tear a whole front end off and they can get in get into the pits and under a, a red flag or the two minute yellow they have them back out on the field so it's just, it's just yeah. an entirely different story. Yeah. Well, back in your day, how long would it take to uh, build a car? Mm, I, it's hard to say. I mean, depending on how efficient you were, I would say it would take months. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I'm, I'm sure Bobby Allen has probably built a car in a week. Uh, mm. But uh, but as far as the, the one and only car I ever built was the car I restored, and it, and it took me months. 
to build it. Now, is that mostly you working by yourself, or did you have help? Hmm. I would say it was mostly me working by myself. I'm 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 sure I had help at at some time at doing some things, but uh, mostly it was it was doing it yourself. I mean, I had a I when I built the car that I have right now, I fabricated it all and welded it and got efficient at doing everything needed to be done. I mean, I built the motors, I built the wings, I built the headers, and basically, if it did good, it's because I did things good. If it did bad, it's because I screwed up. <laughs> what's uh, what's the most races you've raced in a season? Hmm. I, have, I, I, I never really had added it up. We used to run two nights to three nights a week for the better part of the season, I would say probably 60 or 80. I ran a lot of races. I mean, I mean, yeah. just uh, the outlaws run, the outlaws run a lot and they run all over the country. Uh, but it's not uncommon that they don't run more than two or three times a week. I mean, but, but mm-hmm. for sure, I, I probably ran, I probably ran many seasons to run 60 races. That's quite a bit though. That's still quite a bit today's standards, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's all I did was raced. I mean, I didn't yeah. race all over the country, but I did I did go to Ohio some. And mm-hmm. uh, I, like I said, I wasn't real well equipped to be out on the road, but it was not uncommon to go to Ohio on a Wednesday night show and and then pull back. And they get ready for Friday and Saturday, and sometimes, sometimes they ran not every week, but it was pretty often that they ran three times a week. Yeah, they they always ran Friday and they always ran Saturday, and pretty often they ran Susquehanna on Sunday night or Hagerstown. So a three race weekend wasn't uncommon. Yes, that's that's tough. I mean, especially I think a lot of the problem guys have nowadays is trying to find help. You know, crew in the car, you know, especially for a midweek show. That, that is true. A lot of things are different. I mean, it's it's expensive for people to, I mean, if you had a crew that that lived in 30 miles away, it's pretty expensive for them just to get from A to B. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of things are different. So uh, this week coming up, uh, you know, the Outlaws are doing, you know, I guess we'll call it their Eastern Swing. They'll be at uh, Lincoln on Wednesday and then uh, Williams Grove Friday, Saturday, Bridgeport on Tuesday. So uh, how many of those races you plan on making? Mm, I'll probably go to most of them. I may not go to Bridgeport, but uh, the other ones I'll be at. I, uh, I'm... I, I'm a pretty, uh, it's not uncommon that I go to a lot of races as a spectator. They treat me pretty good getting in, and uh, I uh, I do enjoy watching races. It's not the same as running them, but I at least have a position to take. When I'm a spectator, I can at least imagine some of the things that they're going through. 
Have you um, have you made it down to the new Bridgeport yet to, to watch a race? No, I have not been to the to the new configuration. I have watched I have watched uh, a couple of races on Flow at uh, at Bridgeport, and I and I've seen them to put on pretty good races. Uh, I have I ran Bridgeport before, and it's big configuration, and it's okay. five eighths mile race. But uh, I would say that uh, Little Track probably puts on better races. As far so, as so, what do you think? I, so, what do you I, think about? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. Well, I was going to say they probably put on better races uh, for sure for the spectator, but uh, probably better for the for all concerned in a smaller configuration. Yeah. The uh, big port, the Bridgeport, it was a big old five eighths flat racetrack, and it was not uncommon for them to just get strung out. And uh, obviously, the guys with the good motors and the guys with good corner speed went to the mm-hmm. front, but there wasn't as much swapping positions. So that's that's kind of the case. Generally speaking, a small racetrack puts on a better, a better feature to watch. Yeah, I yeah. Agree. that's not to say that they don't have good races on big racetracks. Uh, right, right. But uh, but for sure, but for sure, small tracks make for more swapping positions. So, so what do you think about the the heavy mud turtles doing slide jobs at the the new configured uh, Bridgeport? Hmm. I think it's just part of racing. I don't think that they're, I mean, when when they're out there running, they're, they don't feel any different than sprint cars. They're a little slower because they're a little heavier, but uh, slide jobs is something that seems to be overused terminology at this point. Slide jobs are just passes. Right. Yeah, I'm and, okay. and, 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 and used to, and people bitch about no passing here. <laughs> or no passing at Williams Grove, or this or that, or whatever. And the times are different. Used to, when Mitch Smith and those guys would would start last and pass everybody so quickly and easily, their cars were a second a lap faster than everybody else. There was a lot of difference in the times they were turning. But right now, I went to an outlaw race here, I don't know if it was last year or whenever, but the top 25 cars in the feature they all turned within eight-tenths of a second of the same lap time. So if you get all the cars that are that equal, you're not going to have a lot of passing. Right. Makes a lot of sense and yet, to me. Yeah. And, and, yet, yeah. and yet, the fast guys, whether it be Donnie Schatz when he was on top or Hodnett or, or whatever, the fast guys always still manage to get to the front. So the people that bitch about no passing – are just generally the ones that aren't fast enough. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, that, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, that, that is sense. true. That I mean, sense. I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, uh, I've, I've heard people bitching about Waves Grove getting sprung out and no passing and various things, but but part of that's due to the fact that they start the races with the fastest guys on front because the people that are paying the bills and the people that are racing the racers. That's the way they want it. Oh, yeah. They don't want to be starting in the back and getting crashed on the way to the front. And it's just different. I mean, used to when Mitch Smith, when when Mitch Smith and Opperman and those guys, even when I first came here, they used to invert eighteen cars. 
So if you were the fastest guy consistently, then it was not uncommon to start 16th or 18th. Uh-huh. And if your car had a had a, a decisive edge, whether it be by driver or motor or whatever, then there was a lot more passing. Right. But still, uh, the fast guys still, I mean, the other day they bitched about no passing, and Dietrich came from dead last to second. So the people that were bitching about no passing, they just weren't fast enough. <laughs> That's right. That makes sense, though. It makes it makes a lot of sense if you think about it, you know? Yeah, if you're, if you're all within, like you said, you're all close. I think that's the unfortunate part about racing today is is social media. I think social media, uh, I wouldn't say it's ruining racing, but there's just too many people always bitching on social media that, you know, their driver didn't win or this guy's cheating or, you know. It's certainly easy. It's certainly easy for them to put their two cents worth in. It is. Uh The people, the people on social media, they they always have an answer or always have a question, but uh, times are just different. I mean, I, it would be tough right now to be a track promoter in the oh, days oh, yeah. of flow, oh, yeah. of flow and, and dirt vision. I mean, I, I have thought about it quite a bit, and I don't actually have a solution. But it it is it is hard to imagine how many people in today's world will sit home on their laptop and their three colors, their three big screen TVs. And not only does the weather not affect them by getting rained out so much, you can, you can sit at home and watch three or four different races. So times are, times are way different. I mean, I I mean, uh, it's, it's a tough, I'm not, I'm not sure what the solution is, but, uh, everybody's, everybody's races are televised now. And so everybody is obviously uh, weather. In other words, if, if they look on their phones and they, the weather has a a bad cloud in it, then they just say, "Well, I'm not going. I'm going to sit home and watch it from here." Right. And so it it, mm-hmm. it it's difficult. I can't even imagine what it would be like to be a promoter or a track owner in today's world. Yeah, times times have definitely changed big time. So, well, uh, Van, we we appreciate you coming on tonight, and uh, oh. you know, we thank you for taking some time and answering all of our questions. And hopefully, we'll see you soon at a track. All right, well, that's good. Uh, I'll I'll probably be there, and uh, I'm I'm happy to visit with you guys. It's hard to imagine how long ago it was I raced, and people still <laughs> remember, and they still tell stories, and generally they get embellished, and so times are good. All right. Well, we're glad you got good, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Van. See you. Bye. Bye. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. PA Posse legend, Van May. Leland Vance May. Uh, so you know what time it is, Brian, right? It's time to pause. 
First Station Identification, and, and a quick word from our sponsor. And we're back. Oh, man. man I just got my fries. Got my funnel cake ready to go. Funnel cake ready to go. Big news. We all know what the big news is, kids. Red Hearn out. Red Hearn. Red Hearn has stepped aside as race director at Orange County Fair Speedway. And guess who's Jeremy? not taking that position? Brett Dale. We're, we're not. We're not. We're not. No, we're not. We're not. We're not. We're not. Uh, yeah, no, Brett Dale's not. Yeah. So, Jeremy Corcoran, I, I, my understanding of reading the article, he's taking over race director, I guess. Uh, that's still my understanding. So, see how that pans. The master of the preparing a surface, we'll see. I just don't like the move in the middle of the season. No, let it ride out. Yeah, I mean it's uh, just just bite, let it ride out. I, I I don't I don't know what's said behind closed doors. I don't know. I mean, got we've gotten to know Brett a little bit, and you know he's got a backup plan. So, I mean, unless they're worried that all the drivers are leaving and they're like, shit, we got to do something now. I mean. Uh, we since the Dust Bowl, I don't think Mahaney's been back. Williamson hasn't no. been back. Shepard hasn't been back. No, they're uh, staying up home. Yeah, so well, then I mean, again, you know, it's not have something to do with that too. You yeah, know, I was so. going to say the price of diesel is like seven dollars a gallon or approaching that fast too. So that might have something to do with it. But yeah, no, the Dustaster does not help. No, it doesn't. I got I got to give a shout out to my buddy, our buddy Matt Williamson. Uh, I was down at Bridgeport Two. Tuesday night for the the race, and I met up with him after uh, after the redraws. Actually, the first time I actually met the guy in person. I and told I'll you, tell he's you awesome. he's, yeah, he's he's a blast. Ah, he's all, the, the, the ten minute conversation, ten minute conversation yeah. we had walking yep. back to the pits was just he, he was just. I was asking him about. Uh, I, I I basically <clears> told him that you and I were trying to pick our winner for the Elite Series. And I told him, I was like, Brian picked Brian Godown to win the series overall. I was like, I have you in mind. I was like, but I wanted to talk to you first about Georgetown because I think that's the wild card. <laughs> He's like, yeah. He's like, I've never been there. He's like, hell, I've never even watched a race there. So is he mad? Is he mad at me? No, no, he's not mad. No, he's All right. Um, Probably blow his nose in when I finally get a shirt. He said he thinks it's going to be comparable to Utica Rome. So. Uh, and he's decent there. Yeah, so he should he should be all right. Okay, so I mean, he told me he sucked the Bridgeport, and he ended up driving up to like fourth. <laughs> he gets it after like recalling after, after yeah. recalling eleventh. Yeah, like he wasn't going to figure that place out eventually. Yeah, exactly. Or get closer, let's say. Okay, you said Fonda was going to be the the wild card. Now go down certain, and then. Yeah, and then uh, it just looked like uh, he's been there like a veteran up there. Yeah, like it's his home track. I mean, he's just got to roll. He's got to roll in the shoe. He's got. He's on fire. You know what I mean? Him, but he's like, he's, he, yeah. Oh yeah, Larry, two for two at Land of Legends. Yeah. So I mean, Larry, Larry leads the think, points there. Probably should. Well, he, he leads the points, but Larry leads all drivers with wins this year with six. Six. I think six, go down's yeah. either six or five. Shepard's at, at five. Williamson's yeah. at six, I think. I think Williamson might have six as well. 
six or five. I can't remember. I think he's, he's got five. He's got Lernerville, Orange County. Lernerville. Twice, right? There. Well, this was going into before this week. Okay. So, uh, I saw the update. He's got like four or five, and then might as well add two more, so he's got like six, because he he did it two for two over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. I think think he was up to six. I saw the post, I think, like yesterday or something with the updated win win list. Mm -hmm. So, I know. Yeah, he started off well. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, it's I'm not really sure why Larry's running Land of Legends instead of running Stadge tracks, but because it's uh, Saturday night, because Fulton's a small block track, and uh, I know a lot of people picked Larry to be a favorite to win Super Dirt Car Series, but, but he's Sarah not going to win. Yeah, he won the Bridgeport, so he's not going to win Super Dirt Car Series this year. Yeah, so I go back. So we go back to I'm going back to Matt Williamson. But they did so. have I, th- I think they did have 17 series regulars at Super Dirt Car Race. That's not bad, but... I think those 17 or 18 cars there that were series regulars. That number could drop because of what the hell's going on in this country, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Yeah, and there was a couple of them that didn't qualify, I believe. I don't think Marcus Marcus Dinkus qualified. Okay. Somebody else. Tim Sears qualified? Fuller didn't qualify. Fuller didn't qualify. No, Fuller did, yeah, no, he didn't. That that was uh But he also crashed and broke the front suspension. In oh, so he's race. probably done, decided to pack it up. Well no, they got it fixed and got him back out for the Concy, but he had to start scratching the Concy and they only took four cars and started yeah, forget like, about that. Started like eighteen. So I mean that's a long way to go. God, God forbid you split it, split the concert in half, but, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, who am I? Uh, yeah. 25, we're going to have a 25-car concert, and we're taking two. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even go out. If I was starting, I wouldn't even go out. I if I'm either. starting, like, eight, like, yeah. The, I'm go, the, cost, the cost of fuel and no tires and everything yeah, else. Yeah, no, like, I'm, I'm like, not even, I'm right packing, packing it up. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so. I, that's one thing I never understood is like big concies only taking a couple cars. It's like then increase it or so. I, I don't know. Yeah, because now you're also you know guys are going to beat and bang to try to get those last couple qualifying spots. So now you're, you're risking tore up equipment. But who am I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Silly us. Yeah. All right, so I I guess kicking around this idea, something new for us to try. We get to pick who. Our driver of the week is driver of the week. Could be any class, you know, whatever. Driver of the week. You want to go for? Uh, you want to think about it? You want me to go? Yeah, go ahead and pick your driver of the week. I'll pick mine after. I'm going with Matt, Matty D, Matt D. Lorenzo. Driver of the week. He goes. Doesn't win a feature at Fonda in nine years. Wins last week. Starts twelfth. This past Saturday, and he was hooked up and got go down, which was fantastic race. The whole race was great, and won. I mean, he was on rails again, and there he is coming in. So he's, I'm definitely picking Matty D for my driver of the week. Well, I guess I'll pick the same driver that uh, AARN picked, and uh, I gotta go with go down for driver of the week. Okay, 
And Super Dirt Car Race at Bridgeport, his first Super Dirt Car victory in his career. And not and you know, it's not like he hasn't raced Super Dirt Car because he followed the whole tour in twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, I forget what year it was. Yep. Twenty nineteen, I believe. So he followed the whole tour, so he's got plenty of races in the series. Picked up his first victory. And like those those guys. Those most of those guys he's raced raced yeah. against. Yep, and then, like you say, he goes to Fonda, a place he's never raced before, and damn near wins the thing. It was makes, close. Makes one mistake on the last lap, and it cost him the race. And that was, that was just so, that was just, it, it, that was a great race. That's all, that, that was just a fantastic race. Um, yeah, so, I think he's got Fonda out of the way, but, you know, 200 laps. Got yeah, two 200, 200 laps, lappers, so. 200 laps makes a big difference. Yeah. And he's good at them, though. Well, we'll see. Who do, yeah, you're right. Anything can happen. He could be on lap 150 in a car just said, you know what? I'm done. And just motor, motor whatever. Motor can go. Just tired. So, here's another Yeah, here's another thing to think about. You know, motor parts are hard to get right now. Yeah. So Yeah, they are. Come those, How am I going to be? Come those 200-lap races, are guys going to have motors set aside that they have been trying not to put laps on for those races? Or a guy's gone into that race with a motor that's got 1,500 laps on it. And then just hoping for the best. Really take it easy for the first, let's now, say, 175. <laughs> if I'm not, I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Shepard's motor he ran at Port Royal last year for the 200 lapper had 1,500 laps on it for that race. I believe so. I, I can't, I'm pretty sure we asked him that. Or we we talked about it. Yeah, yeah. So he had some laps on that one. Yeah, yeah he, he had, had some, some laps, laps on it. So I mean, and he finished what second? Yeah, something like that. I yes. <laughs> dude, I couldn't even tell you who won it last year. Stu won. That's why I probably forgot. <laughs> so I mean, a, a motor can have a lot of laps on it and still be a strong motor, but it's just uh, yeah. But it's all highway miles if you think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. It's not you know the stop I mean? and go in city traffic, so... Well, it depends on how many cautions there is. That's true. No, you're right. That's true. I'll give you that. That's true. I've, I've been to some races where it's like, we can't go one green flag lap without a caution. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like when it roads, like every fucking five <laughs> feet, it's a stop sign. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> and you go, and I got to stop, and, and stop. Yeah, yeah I hear you. So tomorrow night's the Battle of the Bull Ring. Yep. What do you got? Ooh. I'm gonna say Prego gets the four star car rolling and, and, and picks up a victory. Okay, you ready? Yep. <clears throat> Shepard gets his first win at Accord. Ooh. Possible. You gotta keep your nose clean. Uh, yes, you do. You like, know, you, you got to draw good there because it's, she's a tiny, and you're gonna, there's going to be beating and banging. Yep, yep. She's tiny. She is quarter mile. No, oh, it's, I, it, you know, if that track was just a little bit better track prep on it, like keeping the dust down a little bit, a lot better. That's a little. That's a neat little track. But he's got one tow truck guy, so I don't. I don't know. Well, I think Dale brings his own uh, tow trucks and shit. Yeah, so there's a difference. He's got more. They, 
they normally operate one one guy. And I feel bad for him if there's like a car here, a wreck here, and a wreck here. This poor guy, he's by himself. Oh yeah, that's terrible. It's that's like, terrible. well, we're gonna be. I feel bad well, for him. Don't get pissed off. I was by himself. Eight car pile up on the front stretch. We're just gonna yeah, call it right, guys. We're gonna call it <laughs> rain delay. We'll call it a rain here. Uh, rain checks are good for next week. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. How far, is that, how, far is, how far is that from you? About a little over an hour. It's an easy rise. It's up straight up 209. That's going towards Kingston, so that's like a little more upstate for me. Okay. But it's just all 209, so you go through the, you got to watch speed limits and all that mm. crap. Yeah, yeah. It's, huh. I don't know. And it's in watching, the middle of nowhere. I'll be watching it on I'll be watching it on TV. Yeah, exactly. One thing is like a lot of time. Well, no, usually Dayo's shows are just sportsmen and modified, so normally he gets them done pretty quickly. Usually modified features on track by eight thirty nine. That was not too bad. And uh, looks like uh, Mr. Shepard's gonna probably own Utica Rome this year. He looked he looked fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he's just got the place figured out. So we'll see. He said he's had some bad luck. I guess his transponder stopped working Saturday at Land of Legends. I I pulled up race monitor and showed he only it was in like 24th, and then I was like, and like a couple laps down, I was like, oh damn, must have broke or something. And then I see Facebook posts, and it's like he finished second. I'm like, oh, transponder must have died or something. Something wrong with now, the score. Now is he gonna keep it, keep that as normal Saturday night? I think so. I think with the fuel cost, I think that's gonna. Yeah. Keep him away from Orange County for a little while. Well, also, I think yeah. he's waiting for Orange County to get their shit together. That too. I mean, that too. Uh, now, with her gone, does Mac, Max McLaughlin say, you know what? Screw you, I'm out of here. Uh, well, we all saw the, the Facebook post. Somebody took a screenshot of his Snapchat, so. Yeah, it was. Saying well, yeah, no. the track was oh. a shithole. So, uh, who knows? He actually I mean, runs pretty good there. I, I don't know. Well, Max, we're going to say Max has been fast pretty much anywhere he's gone this year. Yeah, he's car. a threat. Yeah, he's pretty he's much been, a threat. He's been fast. There's just he just had a little bit of bad luck, or yeah, you know, car dumb. car just car just isn't quite what it needs to be for the feature. He's he uh, I know he was fastest. He was fastest at Bridgeport, but I, and I think he might have broke the track record, or he was close. Breaking the track record. No, he didn't break it. Uh, Peter Britton actually holds the track record at Bridgeport. The Batman. Huh. Batman. Yep. So. Oh, that should be fun. Tomorrow night should be fun. Oh, it should yep. be fun in Orange County. Let the let the soap opera continue. Yeah, <laughs> as our lives turn. That's, yeah, as the laps turn in Orange County. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I want to. I want to get there this year for a race, but I'll let you know how it goes. Not, <laughs> not, not, not until they get their shit figured out. No, I I live fifteen twenty minutes from there, and I'm I'm want to see what's going to happen. Yeah, I, mean, I I hope the best for them. I hope they get a new surface there, but it didn't, you, but then you get a new surface, and you're not going to be able to race on it for a couple weeks. No, that was that was the rumor saying it. They're gonna get new clay and, and shut it down for a couple of weeks. I don't think a couple of weeks is enough time, but I don't no. know. I'm no expert. I'm not an expert on it, so I don't know. 
unless um, the new, <coughs> new track prep guy said, hey, I can have it ready to go in, you know, two or three weeks. So he's the best in the business, so, okay. I mean, I guess it all depends on the quality of clay. If they're actually getting real clay or they're getting more pond silt. Get real clay. Yeah. Oh, we got Play-Doh instead. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's I on mean, sale. Yeah, where, Walmart? Yeah, I got this. Oh, why is it called? Why, why is the track in different colors? <laughs> yeah. Assholes. Yeah, that, yeah, I would, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> well, kids, that's all we have tonight. That's it. We're done. We're day. done. Come back next Monday night with uh, another guy. Who had a, another guy who was yep. having a great run at Honda. And the kid rocket, Alex Jankowski. Yeah. Looking forward <laughs> to talking to him again. And we'll uh, recap all the racing action coming up this week with the uh, Accord and uh, all your weekly racing this weekend. Weather seems like it's looking better for this weekend. I know we had a lot of rainouts, at least down my way. I think everything rained out Friday, Saturday. So, weather's definitely looking up. So, we'll uh, see you guys next week. And until then, you've been Black Flag. <laughs>